Hey everybody, welcome to my channel. Today I'm gonna to talk to you guys about my rules for money. So this is something I think a lot about and I feel like I've come up with a good strategy for it. And I'm really just gonna to talk to you guys about how I think about spending the money that I earn and how do you actually start to set yourself up for the future if you wanna follow suit. So yeah, I'm gonna add some metrics. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna do two part series, so this week and then we're gonna do five rules next week. So just stick along, have a good time. You know, it's gonna be hopefully eye-opening. So let's start with rule number one. Rule number one is to live below your means. And the metric for this rule, I'm gonna provide like a number, a metric for each one so that everyone has kind of a rule of thumb because I feel like that's just always something people want. Well, how much should I live below my means? Well, I'm gonna tell you. So live below your means is number one and you're gonna to wanna to live on 50% or less of your income. So basically don't spend more than half you make. If you, don't, if you make five grand a month, don't spend more than 2,500. And there's several reasons for this. Number one reason would be you have no idea what can happen in your life. You can get in a car crash, you can have your AC go out, you can lose your job, etc. You need to have a buffer because if something happens where you're gonna actually have to pay more expenses in a month, if you're right up against your expenses, you're going to spend over and you're going to, uh, you're gonna be in debt or you're gonna be really stressed out and not enjoy the things that you even spent your money on. So you don't wanna be trying to overextend yourself and uh, buy things that you can't necessarily afford, especially, and I think that's why the rule of thumb is so important. If you're not spending more than 50% of your income, then you know not to make this mistake. It just takes the guesswork out of it. You're not like, well, can I afford it? You just go, am I spending more than 50% of my income total every month? Well, if I am, then I probably need to not buy that car. Maybe I can't afford it. Maybe I should wait. Maybe I should be patient because it is cool to have a BMW, but it's not cool to get it repoed. So you want to have um, a little bit of a balance there, a little bit of a buffer. Um, another thing is the reason why people are actually going to overspend and the reason why I've overspent um, on income is because I didn't have a plan for the money. If you don't have a plan for where that money is going to go, then you're just going to spend it because we have Amazon. We have a bunch of cool ways to buy things really quickly. I um, mean, it feels really cool to buy nice stuff or things that you've wanted. It's just hard not to, right? Like we want stuff, we end up buying it. So if you don't have a plan already put in place, you're going to spend extra money, or at least I am. That's how I am. I have very little impulse control. So I try to set up a bunch of rules, uh, a bunch of rules around me so that I don't actually give in to those impulses. Like, of course I want to go on Amazon and just buy whatever it is that I'm looking at for the day. But the thing is, if you have a plan for your money, then you're not going to be impulsive. So what I do is I have separate savings accounts outside of my checking. So if I check with, if I have a bank account with Chase where most of the income comes into, well, then I'm gonna have a savings account with an other bank that's outside of that. So I use Ally online. It's an online bank account. So I really almost never go in there. I just set up auto transfers from my checking to my savings every month. So when the money comes in, it's immediately going to be redirected to an online savings account that I really rarely ever go to. And in the online savings account, I have different uh, like little savings accounts within the account for different goals. So I have you know savings account for a future car or future house or some sort of goal that I'm working towards uh, financially. Maybe it's vacations or travel. And I just have it automatically going there and I don't even treat the money like mine. So if you're making $5,000 a month, you wanna make sure that you're only thinking you make 2,500 a month. The other 2,500 is just going to another account automatically when you earn it. So it's not even a question. It doesn't even become an opportunity because if you're putting that in front of yourself, it's just not gonna work out. It's like if you're on a diet, but you keep a bunch of cake and candy in the house, no matter how disciplined you are, no matter how much willpower you have, you will eventually give into that. So you just have to kind of set things up in your way uh, so that you don't make those mistakes. And I found that to be really useful. So rule number one segues nicely into rule number two and they kind of build off each other because rule number two is have ample reserves. And if you don't follow rule number one and actually live below your means, then you're not gonna have enough money to have reserves. So for rule number two, having ample reserves means 
uh, for the rule of thumb, it would be six to 12 months of your expenses saved in a savings account that you just do not touch. So if you lose your job or your business goes down, you have at least a six to 12 month buffer to still pay your bills and not be completely freaked out um, and, and look for either another job or another way to make income from a business. So for example, if you lose your job, but you have the 12 month buffer, then you can actually spend 12 months trying to get a new job and you're not going to be all freaked out about it, which is amazing. I can't even tell you how much that would benefit your mental health if you lose your job. Like say COVID happens, right? And you lose your job. Things you cannot expect to happen all the time. So if you lose your job at the beginning of COVID, but you have a 12 month buffer, you're like, well, yeah, this is obviously not great, but at least I know I can pay everything I need to pay for the next 12 months while I can go hunt for a job. And you can definitely find a job in a year. And that's why I think it's so important to give yourself this leeway. Because I mean, in my experience, when you have something negative like that happen to you, where let's say something does happen like COVID and you lose your job, the stress of not having enough money to pay your stuff and just that, that stress literally outweighs all of the benefit that you could have ever received from any spending that you ever did. So rule number three is buy cars in cash. So I've talked about cars several times as a, um, just an example. And I think for me, the reason I'm doing that is because I, I, I don't know, I really like cars. I really want to buy a bunch of cars all the time. That's like the impulse. And if I don't set up all these rules around myself, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to end up the guy with the BMW lease. So these rules are not meant to be condescending. They're coming from my own issues that I have. And I often am like, dude, it would be so cool to like, just roll up in a BMW where I'm going, you know what I mean? Like whatever the ridiculous thing is, it's just me being transparent. And so I have to set up rules around my crazy ego so that I don't do stupid things like that and end up massively regretting them. Um, so my rules for uh, buying a car in cash is not only buy them in cash, but buy them used and buy them as a Toyota or Honda, just because the repair cost is actually going to be way lower on those cars. And that's something that no one ever considers. And once I started to consider the full scope of a cost of a car, then I was like, oh, okay, this makes absolutely no sense. I would never be able to do this. So basically like if you have a BMW lease, you may have a monthly payment of let's say 500 bucks if you get lucky, um, or they put you on some 90 month uh, loan, which is just, you know, you'd be getting killed in interest. But either way, not even not even taking interest into account, you'll have yearly repair costs are gonna be ridiculous on, on a foreign car rather than just a Toyota or a Honda, like just super simple. Everyone has the parts, they're super cheap. Um, and then also insurance is gonna be way different. Insurance for, let's say me, a 22 year old, I've looked this up, 22 year old. If I drive any two door car coupe and I'm 22 and I'm a male, dude, my insurance is huge. Absolutely huge. So it's it's not even worth it. I, even if I draw, even if I buy a two door like Camry, it's still a massive amount. Cause for some reason, coupes are deemed more risky, especially for 22 year old males. Um, but yeah, dude, the, the insurance cost just makes no sense. It's outlandish and it will be outlandish for almost any age group to drive a very fast two door car. So you are not only going to, you have to consider number one, the repair costs, the also the insurance, and then also the gas. Cause a lot of these cars are going to require premium gas and have worse gas mileage too. So you'll start to see these things like really tally up. So if you can barely afford the monthly payment or you think, oh, I can sneak this in to my budget and it'll make sense and it'll look super cool. The thing is you're going to be so on edge driving that thing because you know you're just one mistake away from absolutely just being behind in your bills and stressed out and on credit and then in debt and then potentially getting repoed or foreclosed on, whatever it is. It's just that stress is not going to be worth having the car. So for me, I'm trying to buy the most reasonable cars. I try to buy them in cash, which means you got to wait and be patient, which also means you can't overspend because it's really hard to buy some $100,000 car in cash because most people don't have $100,000 in cash. And if you do, fantastic, go do it. But the thing is, you don't, <laughs> or you, mo you most likely don't, right? So it's like, it kind of shackles you into a position where even though you, you, your impulse is to go and buy the coolest car you can possibly afford, uh, to buy in cash kind of starts to narrow your, your thought process down. And if you don't put these little barriers around yourself, you're going to make huge mistakes. 
Um, or at least I will. And I'm, I'm assuming that you're the same way because impulse control is a thing that we all struggle with. So just putting these kinds of rules around yourself are really important. So next week, we're going to talk about the next five rules. They're going to get a little bit more advanced, talk a little bit more about investing. But these are just the foundational rules that I've come up with so far in my, in my journey, in my life. Um, and I hope you guys like these kinds of videos. And we're going to do part two next week. So stay tuned to that and turn the bell notification on if you want to get notified when that video does come out. And feel free to subscribe if you like this video. And thank you so much for watching to the end. Thank <music> you.